postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed. So I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. Hey, Adriana here. 
I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening. Hello, Mighty Parent or Parent-to-be. Welcome to Birthful. I'm Adriana Lozada, and we are moving right along in our Nutrition and Nourishment series. Today, we are tackling weight gain and nutrition during pregnancy, and my guest is Genevieve Howland, who you may know as Mama Natural from her YouTube channel and blog. Genevieve is also a childbirth educator, doula, a lactation advocate, and the author of the best-selling book, The Mama Natural Week-by-Week Guide to Pregnancy and Childbirth. And I know that for a lot of people, the idea of gaining weight, even if for such a fabulous cause as pregnancy, can bring up a lot of emotions. So I do want to hold this while acknowledging the difficulties brought upon living in a culture that perpetuates oppressive standards of beauty and diet culture that then further complicate our relationship to food. In the episode, Genevieve will share some ways to tackle food and weight anxiety and give some suggestions on how to lean into nutrition to hopefully help reframe this time of life as an opportunity to establish new nutrition habits that can serve you past pregnancy and postpartum and also help you connect and appreciate your body in a new way that may even provide a space for healing and self-acceptance. You're listening to Birthful, here to inform your intuition. Genevieve, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Adriana, for having me here. I'm thrilled. There's so many topics we could talk about, but I figured something that seemed to be dear to your heart Um, If we talked about weight gain and nutrition, in the book, you share a little bit about your background and how you have dealt with eating disorders in the past. Can you just walk us through that a little bit and why nutrition is so important to you? Sure. So yeah, food has been a big thing in my life. When I was like a little kid, I remember just gravitating towards food more than my peers did. You know what I mean? I remember going to a friend's house after school and the mom would be like, okay, do you guys want an afternoon snack? And we'd say, sure. And then she would give us something. And I would just notice my friend would seem to be satisfied and full or whatever and didn't want any more, but I always did. So I always felt like a little bit of shame around my relationship with food or like that I was different or there was something, I don't know, wrong there. Uh, So fast forward throughout my high school and college years, I dabbled with you know, kind of anorexia where I was really into dieting and over-exercising and really afraid of eating fat. So I ate like fat-free everything and got really skinny and stuff like that. So I did that for a couple of years and then I went the other extreme into binge eating. And that's been more of my experience. So, you know, I went off to college and, you know, a lot of women can gain the, fr- you know, freshman 15, I think they call it. Uh, well, I gained the freshman 40. And, you know, college was just, there's junk food everywhere. There's takeout, there's all night eating. The cafeterias are just loaded with really starchy, sugary foods. And so I was very overweight. I was probably like 60 pounds overweight, very unhappy. And I just really couldn't stop eating, you know? And so when I was about 23, I finally figured out that for me, it was sugar was my trigger. And, you know, 
people could have one cookie or two cookies. I wanted like the whole box. So I realized, okay, you know, I really need to give up sugar because for me, it's almost like, like alcohol for the alcoholic. It just triggers cravings and I want more, more, more. And it just caused a ton of misery. So on January 1st of what was that? 1999, I was like, okay, today's the day I can't do this anymore. And I stopped eating refined sugar and just slowly, you know, taking it one day at a time and I got support. I've been free of refined sugar ever since then. So it like blows my mind because I could not get past like 10 a.m. without candy and sugar and, you know, all that type of stuff. So, but I found once I got rid of that sugar, then I didn't have the cravings, you know, when I tell people, you know, I haven't had sugar in that many years, they always are like, how do you do that? And I'm really like, okay, first of all, it's the grace of God. But second of all, once you remove for me at least, that really refined sugar, that addictive type food, it kind of, it lifts, you know what I mean? The cravings go away if you, you know, stay away from it long enough. So yeah, so that was kind of my experience. And then we can talk about how that looked in pregnancy too. But you know, by the time I did get pregnant, it had been, gosh, I was clean of the sugar for a good 12 years. So it, it just became a lifestyle. When I got pregnant with my first child at 34, I didn't have a lot of anxiety, frankly, about gaining weight because at that time I just felt like it was such a beautiful purpose and it was such a natural process. And I knew that it was, you know, about sustaining this new life, that it wasn't that big of an issue for me. But I know for some women it really is. And I do talk about that in the book. Mm -hmm. That comment of the sort of relationship that we have with food and what are our triggers relating to food? Because food is not just nutrition, right? There's there's the feel-good effect. There's hormonal effects. There's even studies now that say the microbiomes, that it's sometimes the, the microorganisms that are like in your gut asking you for a certain type of food because they need it um, and will make you feel a certain way. So for others, it's fat. I think mm-hmm. what you mentioned of stepping back and looking at what it is that is your trigger that's not just substance, but mm-hmm. it goes a bit more than just your quote unquote will, mm-hmm. then that's, I find, a great first step to sort of grasp the opportunity that is pregnancy, right? Because I always see it as an opportunity to. If in the past, if growing up, you weren't able to, say, tackle that, your your relationship with sugar or your relationship with caffeine, having that extra incentive of you are growing this baby that needs to be super healthy can be sometimes that extra um, chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That you yeah. need to just push you over and commit. Yes. Yeah. I remember listening to one of your podcasts about the coffee thing and how you gave it up when you were pregnant. And then you're like, why am I even going to go back to this? You know, because I don't really miss it or need it. So that is so true. You know, I felt really lucky because when I did get pregnant, I really didn't have to give up much. You know what I mean? I didn't drink alcohol. I didn't do caffeine. But I know a lot of women that do drink caffeine and wine and different things like that or sushi. That was probably my hardest thing, giving up with sushi. But I know that they have to make dietary changes. And yeah, it could be extra motivation just to get cleaner with your diet. I know several of my friends who were more kind of like junk foodie, you know, or fast food type gals. And then once they got pregnant, they're like, okay, I really want to clean up and eat more salads and just really think about what I'm putting into my body. Ideally, you're thinking about this six months before you get pregnant. But hey, any time is better than no time. So yes, you can start today. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Yeah. And it's, 
because pregnancy lasts as long as it does, you know, if you do start right before you get pregnant or six months or right at the beginning, you're going to do at least nine months or something close to it, at least Mm -hmm. more than six months of not having that food or, or figuring it in moderation or whatever it is you do. But that is enough, more than enough to sort of eliminate any addictions or habits. And create new habits. Yeah. I mean, I think they say it's like 30 days or 21 days. I mean, there's different theories about how long it takes for like the substance to get out of the system and for the cravings to kind of go away. But it is amazing. Once you just kind of step away from it for a while, like it really does go away. Because like you said, if you're doing something for six months or eight months or whatever, it does become your new normal. Absolutely. So it's a great opportunity if you look at it that way. And you had your experience with the eating disorder happened earlier in life. So by the time you got pregnant, you were in a different relationship with that. But what would you say for people that for them, it's a little bit more recent in terms of what they're going through and then got pregnant? What are some helpful ways to deal with the anxiety of gaining weight or triggering events that might happen during pregnancy? Yes, that's a great question. I would say, you know, kind of similar to what I did when I first gave it up, just getting some good support. So whether it's talking to your midwife or even seeing a counselor or there's different support groups you can go to just so you're not alone with it, you know, the anxiety, the fear, the obsession or what, however it looks for you, you know, just getting support. Some moms like to see a nutritionist and sometimes it's just as simple as like keeping a food diary and then just sharing it once a month or something or once a week with a nutritionist and just being sure you're staying honest and connected and, you know, are nourishing your body. I think too, doing a lot of like mental and spiritual work. So I'm a huge believer in birth affirmations so much so that we like created birth affirmation cards. We've got an app, we've got recordings because to me, they made such a big difference in my second birth, but we have ones for pregnancy that are really helpful. Just reframing, you know, what is actually going on in your body and how it really is such a sacred experience and process and that you're really nourishing life. And so I think flooding your brain with these positive messages about the bigger picture, about the growth of this child, about just how you're establishing their, you know, well-being. You want to be sure that you're flooding your body with these awesome nutrients. So I would focus, have some component where you're focusing on the mental game and the your thoughts, because that's where so much of this starts. And then if you have, you know, a connection to higher power, or to God or faith, that's also an awesome resource. That's really what got me through a ton of it. Um, so those are all things and tools that can help In terms of triggers, I found even when I was pregnant, I didn't look at the scale. So I would always turn my back. I think the nurses thought I was nuts, but I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to know the number because it could trigger me. So I would just check in like once a month, like, hey, is the weight gain looking good? And they'd be like, yep, looks great. you know. And so I just didn't get too much into the numbers. But I guess I'm a big believer. It's like if you're nurturing your body, you're eating well-balanced meals. Occasionally, if you have a treat or whatever, that's fine, of course. I don't really worry too much about weight because that's just my perspective with pregnancy because the body just takes care of itself and it gains what it needs to gain. And I don't think it needs to be micromanaged. So I found just not looking at the number was helpful. Which can be a big jump and a change of habit for some people who like weigh their some, you know, at least every day or something like that. So yeah, I think that requires a little bit of work ahead of time to get to that point where you can be like, it doesn't matter what I weigh. I'm not going to know the number. Um, But I can see how helpful it can be not focusing on that, especially if you know that looking at the number would be triggering for you. 
Yes. Yeah. And I think pregnancy is just such an act of surrender. And so just to remind yourself of that, it's like there are certain things that we can do. Like I said, eating well, not engaging in high risk activities, you know, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like you can't control the way the heart is developing or the brain is developing or, you know, and it's so it is such an act of surrender and trust. And so, yes, not looking at the scale is an act of surrender, is an act of letting go. But it goes hand in hand with just the pregnancy process. And I think it would be also helpful to, if you have had issues in the past or things that are still happening to you, you know, that you're dealing with, to let your care providers know, like your your midwife, your doctor, let them know that that's, or, the, or even the nurse that weighs you in, like let them know that that's an issue. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. See, absolutely. F- for me, something that was also very helpful was knowing that or or just reminding myself that all that weight was not me, that it was tons of water weight and blood volume and placenta and the uterus and baby. Like if you broke it down, then it's like, okay, it's not my thighs gaining 20 pounds. No, 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 (laughs) no. Yeah, it's like under 10 pounds. Like you have a little bit of weight gain and that's really for breastfeeding, you know, and, um, but the rest of the stuff, like you said, is the increased fluids, the blood volume, all those things you mentioned. I actually felt beautiful during my pregnancy. I mean, even the way the weight came on, I could really tell like this is just for the baby. And, um, it's interesting because I've known a couple other women who had struggled with eating disorders or who were even currently struggling with an eating disorder when they got pregnant. And it actually been, it became a very healing process for them and journey for them where they really recovered and healed through the process. And they actually felt very confident in their pregnant body and they actually liked the changes. And so, you know, it can be, it's always an opportunity to heal and to be, you know, more whole and to be more free. And pregnancy could be that opportunity for us if we say yes to it, you know what I mean? And we surrender to it. Now, to take it to the next step, we've been talking about the weight gain and the body issues, the importance of nutrition in all of this. And in your book, you say, if you're aiming for a natural birth, free from interventions, eating well is one of the most important things you can do. Tell me more about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we do know, for example, like preeclampsia and gestational diabetes has been tied to like more weight gain. You know what I mean? If you gain more weight, you can be at higher risks for those two things, which can put you in a higher risk pregnancy bracket, which then can complicate if you want to have a natural childbirth. It doesn't mean it's not possible, but it does make it maybe a little bit harder. So I'm a huge advocate of just nourishing your body, nourishing your baby, eating well, eating well balanced. I found protein was huge. You know, the first time I got pregnant, I went to a natural childbirth course and it was over the course of 12 weeks and we kept tearing, eat enough protein, eat lots of protein, eat at least 80 grams of protein. And I thought that seems like way too much. I don't need to eat that much protein. Like I'm not going to sit there and count protein grams. I'm just going to listen to my body and trust it. And everything worked out great. But I have to say the last six weeks of my pregnancy, I, you know, and it was in the summer, but still I started swelling a little bit in my ankles and every morning I'd get up and be like, oh, it's kind of puffy there. And then I would go for a walk and it would go away. But there was definitely some, you know, swollen ankles going on. So anyways, fast forward three years later, I get pregnant with my second child and I craved protein something fierce. Like I was, I joked that in the first trimester, I was kind of on the Atkins diet, not even intentionally, but that was like what my body was craving. And we can talk about cravings because I'm a huge advocate of following your cravings for the most part. But I had no swelling, like 
not one ounce of swelling. And I definitely was eating 80 grams or more. So I think being sure you have enough protein, protein is like the building block of matter and you are building this child. And so just ensuring that you have enough protein throughout your day. And it's really great to too, just for keeping your blood sugar balanced. It helps with satiety. So that's really important. And then in the book, we break down various nutrients, various foods that are high in those nutrients. And then every week in the book, I was, this was something I have like, I want to do this. I don't know if I can do this, but I really want to. We started looking at each week and how baby was developing. And then I would think, okay, well, what, what nutrients can we be giving the mom that would support that stage of the baby's development. So for example, when the baby's tooth buds are forming, can we be sure that the mom is eating enough calcium and vitamin K and things like that that help strengthen bone and tooth formation? So each week there's a very specific recipe that's nutrient dense that really is perfectly aligned with what's going on with the baby. You know what I mean? So each week there's a recipe that supports your baby's development. So we talk a lot about obviously nutrition in this book, (laughs) but I am such a believer in it um, because I think it can really make a difference. I mean, just even herbs too. Again, in my first pregnancy, you know, I just didn't listen that well, I think with my first pregnancy, because I remember I went to my midwife and she told me she had three children and she's like, I rocked all my births and I really attributed it to red raspberry leaf tea that I drank. And so that was at my first appointment. I heard her say that. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get that tea because I want to rock my birth. So it was, I was 10 weeks pregnant and I got, went home, I got the tea, I started drinking it and I started having a little bit of uterine cramping because it is a uterine tonic and it's a strengthener of your whole like pelvic floor. And so it freaked me out, you know, cause I don't want any kind of cramping going on anywhere down there that early. And so I stopped drinking it and I never touched a glass again. Well, I had a very hard birth at first birth. So fast forward in my second time around, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to listen to that woman. I'm going to drink the red raspberry leaf tea. But I waited till after the first trimester, which a lot of midwives will recommend because it can trigger a little bit of that cramping. And so starting like at 13 weeks, I started drinking it. I drank two cups a day. And then the week before, like my due date week, I drank double strength red raspberry leaf tea. And I had such an awesome birth. I almost did not make it to the birth center in time. I was like fully dilated plus two or plus three when I was, you know, in triage. So it was night and day. And really the biggest difference, my uterus, I could feel it was like a machine. Like, I don't know, the contractions were so effective. And I really could feel that uterine support that that red raspberry leaf tea gave me. So that's another thing we talk about in the book. So food can make a big difference, really. With Mother's Day coming up fast, are you looking to get your mom, grandma, or mother figure a gift that they'll actually love? You know, something that is treasured instead of dying out or collecting dust? If so, you need to know about mylifeinabook.com, which is a service that helps turn their life stories into a beautiful book that can be passed down. How amazing is that? And the process couldn't be easier. Basically, if they can use email, they can create their book. Every week, My Life in a Book will send them an email with a prompt question to get them started. And if they don't like the question, they can easily edit it or change it. We gave a My Life in a Book to a family member that always wants to document all family get-togethers through images. And let me tell you, the process of sending the gift was super simple, even letting us choose the date we wanted the gift to be sent. 
I'm so looking forward to discovering stories about her youth, her adventures, and the challenges she has overcome. And since my life in a book lets you add an image with each answer, she can now share the story that goes along with her many photos. Another great thing is that the answers can be edited at any time before the book is printed in case she wants to add anything else. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 10% off today. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns, and sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments, which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorn's roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar, and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert build portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. So I think we took the same childbirth education classes because it was also 12 weeks and it was also like my favorite part about those childbirth education classes was their emphasis on nutrition and protein. But aside from the benefits of eating protein, it's great for building blocks and you're building a baby. But also protein is easier to get rid of afterwards. Like gain, weight gain from protein is so much easier to deal with than from eating junk food. So your body also is having better cells, right? And then I found that focusing on 80 to 100 grams of protein was so intense that it didn't quite leave room for junk. <laughs> like I had to, yeah. <laughs> I had to, I had my breakfast and my mid morning snack and my lunch and the snack and the dinner, you know, dinner and after snack. But those snacks, I made sure I got eggs. I had cheese. I, you know, at that time I was eating dairy. And so it really helped lessen the, the sort of temptation to do other things because I was focused that I need to get these 80 grams of protein. That's, yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, and it's no surprise a lot of diets, like if you look at a lot of the diets out there, most of them contain, you know, talk a ton about protein. And there's been studies that talk about protein that it is, it's a very satiating and it, it really does help with appetite kind of suppression in the sense of, like you said, not wanting to eat sweets and this and that you're really keeping your blood sugar so stable that you just don't have the same type of cravings. 
And in terms of other building blocks, when I was reading through the book, I was like, huh, that's right. I forget that that is this case, that you've got carbohydrates, fats, and protein. In carbohydrates, you're including fruits and vegetables because that's what they break down to. The the benefit of root vegetables. Can you go more into that? Well, I know, you know, a lot of women are feel better in a lower carbohydrate diet or maybe a paleo diet or a primal diet. There's lots of different diets out there. But yeah, some women don't really, you know, maybe they have inflammatory bowel issues or different things like that. They don't really uh, feel great on grains. So that's, you know, we've got a ton of awesome root vegetables from, you know, beets, carrots, onions, sweet potatoes, yams, rutabagas, um, of course, there's plantains, which isn't a root vegetable, but it's another starchy vegetable. Then you've got all your winter squashes. So you could very easily get plenty of your carbohydrate needs just from that. And then the fruits, obviously. But I love all those things because of the color, all the phytonutrients. There's that whole saying, eat the rainbow. Um, but there is some wisdom in that because you want to pick food from all the different colors because they have different um, phytonutrients and different um, minerals and vitamins and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I ate a lot of pomegranates and tomatoes and sweet potatoes and carrots, and you can get blue yams and blue potatoes and, um, you know, just trying to get, and of course, leafy greens. Leafy greens are really your great, one of the greatest sources of folate, a natural form of folate that you can get. And we know how important folate is you know, when you're pregnant. I even like juicing. Now, I know juicing, you know, if you're new to it, it might not be the best idea because it can sometimes have a little bit of a detoxifying effect. But even if you just make a pint of juice and you can mix celery and romaine lettuce and carrots and maybe a little lemon or a little ginger. That's so, it's such a great source of nutrition. It's really concentrated. You can have it with a handful of pumpkin seeds or nuts. And plus, I just feel really good on it too. It was kind of, I always joke that like juice for me was like my caffeine, you know? So it just made me feel really great. Or you can also, of course, do smoothies. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of like kale or spinach smoothies because there's some, oxalates and different things that can be a little bit irritating to the gut affect some of your digestion. But I think like romaine lettuce and carrots and celery and avocados and apples, all those things you can put in a smoothie, blend it up. Then you get the fiber too, which is nice. So there's so many ways to get great nutrition. And again, I find women just instinctively are drawn to this anyways, because they want to you know take good care of their body and they want to just nourish it. So those are all great choices. Now, I'm glad you mentioned folate because that's starting to be more controversial in the difference between folate and folic acid. Can you go deeper into that? Yes, we talk about this in the book about there's um, MTHFR, which I'm sure you probably heard of. But there can be genetic mutations that cause, and some say it's up to like 50% of the population, to have problems with breaking down folic acid. And so it can be problematic. And, you know, a lot of prenatals contain that. So they make now prenatals that have the methylfolate version, which is more broken down, which is easier for those types of people to assimilate. And it's a lot safer. So you'll want to talk to your midwife about that. Some people do better on like a food-based folate and the food-based prenatals. And that seems to work okay. And some women just choose to go on a methylated folate just to be preventative, just in case they do have it, because it certainly won't hurt you. And then, like I said, leafy greens, it could be kale that you cook, you know, it could be juiced romaine lettuce, it could be a big salad, I mean, however you get it in. But I feel like there's such a wisdom in nature, obviously, and just in the way everything fits together as a whole food. So I think if I can get it from food, I like it the best, you know, even with like omega-3s, you know, people talk about, oh, you should take omega-3s, blah, blah, blah. 
to me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat my salmon. I'm going to eat my sardines and get, you know, certain eggs, usually pastured eggs or some farmers will actually even supplement with a little bit of omega-3 so that the eggs are rich in omega-3. I would prefer to get it from food, but that's just me. So yeah, so that's just an important thing to consider and to talk to your midwife or doctor about. Yeah, and I agree. If you can get your supplements, your or your nutrition supplements, your nutrition from real food instead of supplements, then your body will be more discerning on how to be able to take that in and, and its bioavailability. Absolutely. Sometimes just focusing on real good nutrition, fresh food, nutrient dense is going to be your best bet. Food-based prenatals are very gentle. And then, of course, working with your healthcare provider, because this gets pretty nuanced in terms of depending on the person and stuff like that. Yes. To talk to your care provider to make sure this is being customized specifically for your needs and your particular situation, for sure. We're just painting broad strokes. (laughs) Yes. 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 But we haven't talked about my favorite, probably, which is fat. You know, we've yes, talked about carbs. So fat is also really important, you know, especially when you're pregnant. And that's why it drives me crazy. I think I was reading on like, uh, I don't want to say what it is if I, in case I was wrong, but it was just like a mainstream medical website that was saying that you should limit your fats when you're pregnant. And I was like, oh my gosh, why would you want to do that? Because they're super important for just enhancing mineral absorption. So they say they've done studies now. And, you know, when you eat your vegetables, it's important to have it with a healthy fat because it actually helps you assimilate and absorb the minerals more effectively. So it's really important for that. It's really important, obviously, for baby's brain, gut, eye formation. It's nourishing. It helps the mom and her hormonal profile, which is going to help the child. In fact, I learned this, actually. I never knew about this until I actually had this experience. But did you know that, like, women, when they're pregnant, their cholesterol is, like, sky high? I did and not know this that. Is, yeah. And again, this is nature's design because cholesterol is such a precursor for all the sex hormones, for all of the development, right? That's going to be happening for the baby, for the mom. I mean, talk about her, the mom's hormone levels are going through the roof. So she needs that cholesterol to support her and her body changes and for the development of the baby. And I learned this actually because I had given birth, I think it was to my daughter. Yeah, it was to my daughter. And uh, my husband and I wanted to get health insurance. So they came to my house. I think I was like three weeks postpartum. And I'm thinking, why am I getting this test done now? Because I haven't lost the baby weight. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is probably because they test all these things like your blood pressure and your weight and your blood sugar and different things like that to be sure that you, you know, don't have any like risk factors for various diseases. But anyways, I did it. It was just the timing and Michael wanted to get it done before the end of the year. So I got the whole test done. Well, my cholesterol came back at like 291. And I was like, what? Because I'm more of like a 180, you know, to 190 kind of cholesterol for total cholesterol. And it was like almost 300 when I got the test back. I'm like, what is going on? Well, sure enough, I did some research. And that's why I don't know if you know that or if you remember this, but when you're pregnant, they do not test your cholesterol. They do the CBC, they look at all these different things, they don't look at your cholesterol. And it's because it's a known fact that women's cholesterols go through the roof. So yeah, so the thing that was crazy is I actually passed the health insurance exam because I was under 300. I was like nine points away under 300. But it was so elevated and it because it, it does continue on, I think, for six weeks postpartum. So I bring up that all to say is that fats are super important. And so like the egg yolks, butter, coconut oil, olive oil... Um, nuts and seeds, olives, all those things. We want to incorporate that with our meals. 
they not only help us with satiation, but also, like I said, mineral absorption um, and just helping to support our bodies and baby's body. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and I like making the distinction between good fats and not so great fats. Yeah, because the ones you mentioned, you know, the coconut butter and the avocado and the virgin olive oil, all those are great. There's others that aren't so great for you. Oh, yeah. So I would say trans fats. You want to steer very, very clear of those. So and that's just most women would probably anyways, because that's usually found in fried foods, fast foods, a lot of packaged foods. There has been some regulation around trans fats. So it's in a better situation than it used to be. It used to be used in a lot of packaged goods because it's very shelf stable. But those are very, very harmful for baby and for mom. So you want to stay away from those. You also want to stay away from a lot of like oh, high omega-6 or a lot of, they call them like industrial vegetable oils. So like safflower oil or canola oil, or cottonseed oil, or soybean, grapeseed oil, things like that. And again, most of those foods are, are those oils are found with chips, processed foods, fast foods, packaged shelf stuff. You know, with my kids, I've been teaching them lately about earth foods. So I'll talk to my kids because sometimes like, well, I want this or I want that. And I'll say, you know, we're trying to have most of our diet be foods from the earth. So I'll say, okay, are strawberries foods from the earth? Yes. Are these pretzels from the earth? And they're like, no, you know, so trying to take those down and eat more from the earth, more whole foods. So, and, you know, I believe that saturated fat is good for us. Of course, I think all the um, monosaturated is great for us too, like the olive oils and some of the seeds and nuts that we can eat, you know, some coconut oil, which is high in saturated fat. That's also huge. You know, our brain needs a lot of saturated fat. Our body will actually create saturated fat if we don't give it enough. So it is an important nutrient. Again, getting high quality sources of it. If you can get organic butter, that would be better. And yeah. Fantastic. There's one more like set of food, not food group, but food category that I want to touch about. What about ferments? Fermented foods, like kimchi, kefir. Oh, yes, yes. Huge advocate of these if you can tolerate them. Some people are very sensitive. They might have histamine issues. But really, the biggest thing, you know, with whether it's morning sickness or heartburn or constipation, I mean, that's really where probably women can suffer the most when they're pregnant is digestion. And it can manifest its ways in lots of different ways. It either comes upward with the acid, it goes outward with either not going or going too much, burps and gas and all these different things. And, you know, a lot of it is hormonal, of course. You know, progesterone slows down our digestion. It slows down our muscles. It loosens and soft or kind of relaxes our muscles. So the flap that covers, it's like a little um, sphincter that covers our, separates our stomach from our esophagus can be remain ajar, which can bring the acid up going north um, bound. But my point of bringing all that up is if you can incorporate foods that are supportive of digestion, it's just going to help you. So ferments are a wonderful way to do that. So whether it's a little bit of sauerkraut or pickles or kimchi, like you mentioned, a little kefir or kefir, however you want to pronounce it, a little bit of yogurt. So like in a lot of traditional cultures, it's naturally in the food. So in the German culture, they have the sauerkraut. In you know the Mediterranean, they might have the yogurt dip, you know, the yogurt or the tahini, stuff like that. So these foods are digestive aids that we can use to help us. I know some mothers that struggled with terrible indigestion, morning sickness, things like that. And they just took a little bit of raw apple cider vinegar, about a teaspoon at a time, mixed in about four to eight ounces of water, sipped on that about 20 minutes before their meals, and their heartburn went away. Something as simple as that, apple cider vinegar. But you do want to be sure it's raw because that has those good benefits. You know, some women 
can't tolerate the ferments. So even lemon juice, lemon juice can help stimulate your bile and help getting the digestive uh, juices going. In fact, if you just hold a lemon or you cut it and you smell it, you will actually start to salivate, okay? Because it does create saliva. And so lemons can be a great tool, making homemade lemonade, putting a little lemon on your food or your salad dressing. Um, Other things that are helpful are just enzyme-rich foods like ripe papaya or ripe pineapple. Those are also really good. They've got different enzymes in them that help digest protein. So you can incorporate those into your meals. What else? Some people take digestive enzymes. And again, you'd want to talk to your doctor or your midwife about that. But some women have really been helped by just taking an HCL, which is a hydrochloric acid supplement with their meals. But yeah, I really, really believe it. In fact, there's a company, I think it's called Urban Moonshine, and they actually now create a bitter. Okay, so bitters are something that are is a concoction of different herbs, bitter herbs. And they used to be hugely popular. In fact, you can find old posters from like the 20s of people advertising, you know, take the bitters. It's going to help your liver and your kidneys and this and that. And it really does target digestion again. And the thing I just learned about recently is we actually have bitter receptors, not just on our tongue, but actually in our intestines and our pancreas and all these digestive areas in our bodies. So it's really important that we're getting that bitter taste, which is not very common nowadays because we're used to the sweet and the salty. So anyways, usually bitters are not recommended when you're pregnant because they have some herbs that are not good for pregnant women. But Urban Moonshine has made a formulation that's chamomile-based that is safe. So that can be another option for moms to help stimulate the digestion. But, you know, it's a little bit different than a ferment. Hmm. See, I didn't know about the bitters. We have like this great bitter in Venezuela. It's the Angostura bitters. Nice. I mean, you could actually like drink it. Like sometimes I'll have it because if you're not a coffee, I'm not a coffee drinker either. But sometimes in the morning, like, you know, coffee is bitter. Okay. So there, it's almost like people crave it, of course, because of the caffeine. You know, some people are like, I cannot function without my coffee because they're tired and they're, you know, but some of it might be the bitter element because it starts to stimulate the digestion and, you know, get your system going. It helps for elimination. Mm -hmm. So anyways, but I've been taking sometimes I'll just do like a teaspoon of a bitter, add warm to hot water, and it tastes like kind of like a coffee. I mean, it doesn't really taste like coffee, but it's it's similar in the bitterness of it. And yet it doesn't make you jumpy. There's no caffeine in it. So you should check them out. They really are cool. And I don't know, I just feel good on them. So yeah, no, I, I will check them out. Genevieve, you mentioned earlier that you didn't want us to finish this without talking about cravings. So let's do that. Oh, we've sure. been talking. I know so we've been blabbing. Yeah, I know. Love it. I was remember when we were talking before this. I'm like, I don't know if we're gonna have enough to talk about when we're just talking about you know food. Okay, but we definitely did. So yeah, cravings. So you know, a lot of us believe that our cravings are bad or you know not good. And I really believe when we're pregnant, our bodies have an incredible wisdom. You know, it's all about surviving. You know, keeping that baby alive. So for the most part, a perfect example is. I remember my mom telling me this when she got pregnant, she loves coffee. She still drinks coffee. But when she was pregnant, she had an aversion to it. She's like, I could not get myself to drink it. And then other women, you know, there's certain foods that just turn them off. And I think it's really important to listen to that. I remember in my first, my, uh, yeah, my first trimester and my second pregnancy, I started craving milk. Okay. Let me just say, I am not a milk drinker. I never have been a milk drinker. And all of a sudden, I was drinking a quart of milk a day, okay? I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, this is crazy. But I went with it because I'm like, you know what? There's nothing inherently bad. You know, I got very high quality farm fresh milk. And so I knew it was a good quality and that it had lots of nutrients. And for whatever reason, I just, my body craved it. Interesting to note 
as soon as I hit that second trimester, I never wanted it again. So I do think it helped with like that because I was queasier with my first, with my second pregnancy and it did seem to kind of calm my stomach down. So I really believe, you know, I have another friend, she ate a peanut butter sandwich every single day for lunch. And, you know, peanut butter, you're kind of like, oh, is that a great food? But it actually is pretty high in folate. So I'm like, maybe that's what her body was craving. So I think, you know, and other women, they want steak every day. So I think it's important to listen to those cravings. The one caveat would be if you're, you know, craving Fruit Loops or Doritos or something like that, that is has, that are empty calories, that's not, you know, nurturing you and your baby. Again, if you want to have occasionally have something like that and you feel okay about that, that's fine in moderation. But Although I would never say that Fruit Loops is a great food. Try to find a natural Fruit Loop if that if you're really craving that. But you know, for the most part, I believe those cravings are good. If it's just for junk food, then there's some other things going on, and then you want to get support and kind of look into that. But I do believe in the power of cravings, and that is our body's wisdom for what we really need nutritionally. And I think the craving, if you're if it's a true craving from your body, it's going to go back to being an earth food. Like what you were saying earlier of just one ingredient. It's not going to yeah. be necessarily something really <laughs> complex of that banana split Sunday. I just need to have that. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we live, we're actually very fortunate because that's the other thing. Like when I gave up sugar, you know, 17, 18 years ago, there was either total sugar laden stuff or the artificial sugars, you know, like the NutraSweet and all that kind of stuff. And then there was a lot of fat-free foods that were really high in sugar, which so a lot of these dieters were eating lots of sugar and they didn't even know it. But anyways, nowadays we are so blessed because they make, you can get dark, you know, chocolate with honey, or you can get, you know, all these natural, you know, ice creams that are made with coconut milk and, you know, just better sweeteners and more natural, quote unquote. So, if you do want to indulge, there's tons of those types of things that are going to be healthier. They're going to be better choices for that occasional treat. And I, I think it all comes down to being a little more purposeful about and, and mindful about your food, actually thinking and planning for it. And it's one of those things that if it's in the top of your mind, then you'll be very discerning, hopefully, when you go to the supermarket or when you go to the farmer's market to buy stuff. And then you'll be very discerning of what comes into your house. And if it's not in your house, you can't have it. <laughs> like, that's the first barrier right there. Like, you, you, if you don't have the cookie, you can't eat the cookie. So... <laughs> Yeah. Or if you have to make it, you know, a lot of people, it takes a long time to make it and roll them and cut them. And people are like, oh, don't even, you know, forget about it. By the time you do all the, the cravings passed. And I think too, looking at other ways, like, can you take a bubble bath? Can you get your nails done? Or I don't know, can you find something else, you know, get a really great magazine or a new book, get your hair cut in a different style or whatever, you know, finding other ways to nurture yourself, to, you know, soothe yourself, right? Instead of having to always be food focused. Absolutely. And, and do remember that this is a great opportunity, not only for the baby that you are building within you, but also to create habits that then you can carry out so that once your child is born and you're teaching them how to eat, then if it's not hard for you to do it, it'll be easier for them to do it. Your good habits will be taught to them as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, even studies again that show 
that, you know, what you eat, especially when you're breastfeeding, influences your baby's palate. You know, people always remark about my kids, like they'll eat sushi, they eat, you know, spicy ginger, they'll eat, I mean, they just pretty much eat most of what I put in front of them. But I, that's what I ate when I, you know what I mean? Like I eat those foods. I did a lot of different spices. I um, didn't eat a lot of sweets. And so thankfully, you know, they kind of follow suit. But there is, there have been studies that show like the milk will pick up, the breast milk will pick up the different flavors and whatever the mom is eating. You know what I mean? So her diet influences the taste profile of her milk. And so that can actually set the stage for what your baby gravitates for and your kid, you know, eventually your child and so on. So something to think about. Absolutely. And that brings us full circle to the original quote of, you know, what you eat during pregnancy is going to, if you want a healthy birth and even like healthy postpartum and have your children be healthier than what you eat now and those habits you get into will make it so much easier and, and better for them. Yes. Thank you so, so much for doing the book, for all you do, and for being on the show today. Oh, thank you, Azariana. It was so great talking to you. That was Genevieve Howland, a.k.a. Mama Natural, from the blog MamaNatural.com. Her best-selling book is called The Mama Natural Week-by-Week Guide to Pregnancy and Childbirth. You can find Genevieve on Instagram at Mama Natural, and you can connect with us at Birthful Podcast. In fact... If you are not driving, we would really, really love it if you would take a screenshot of this episode right now and then post it to Instagram sharing your biggest takeaway from this episode. Maybe it was the part where we talked about higher protein needs during pregnancy, or maybe it was the use of ferments and bitters to settle your stomach. Whatever it is, let us know and make sure to tag at Birthful Podcast and at Mama Natural so we can see it and amplify it. You can find the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about my birth and postpartum preparation classes and download your free postpartum preparation plan. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plotty. Thank you so very much for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to follow us on GoodPod, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and everywhere you listen. And come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous birthful library. Happy listening.